The Legacy of John Williams. Celebrating the music and the art of Maestro John Williams. Welcome everyone, I'm Maurizio Caschetto, editor of the Legacy of John Williams website. Uh, I'm here today once again for a new episode of the Legacy Conversation video series, and I'm here with my friend and head contributor of the Legacy of John Williams uh, website, Tim Burden. Hello, Tim. Hello, great to be here again. And so we are here today for another episode of our, our series with our very special guest. Uh, she's a terrific classical musician, a member of the Berlin Philharmonic orchestra since 2001, where she played under Claudia Pado, Sam Rattle, and Kirill Petrenko. Uh, she is an enthusiastic ambassador of her instrument, the French horn, which is the focus also of her very successful online series, Horn Hangouts. She's also a wonderful educator, always ready to share with her community a true love for music and music making. In 2021, she was appointed member of the Order of the British Empire, MBE, for services to charity and the promotion of classical music. And last but not least, she is a huge fan of John Williams. So please let me welcome here at the Legacy of John Williams podcast, horn player extraordinaire, Sarah Willis. Hello, Sarah. Nice to be here with you. Thank you. It's nice to be here with both of you. And thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm turning quite red here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it's absolutely deserved in well, my opinion. Deserved. Because you are re really you are one a terrific musician, of course, first, and uh, but also the way you always share love for music, as I was saying before, is something very contagious, I think, and and it's so wonderful to see you as part of this series because, as as, as many John Williams fans knows, you were part of of the extraordinary concerts that John Williams did in Berlin just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so we are here today to talk about specifically that. But before diving into our John Williams experience, your John Williams experience, uh, I'd like to, to really to touch briefly um, about your music career, because I always like to, to introduce musicians and letting, let them talk about how they get into music, how they chose the, their instruments and so on. So what were your first steps into music when you were younger and how did you decide specifically the French horn as your main instrument? 
Well, goodness, it's, it's a long story. I'll keep it very short. It's all very Googleable. So um, if anyone wants a long version, it's all out there. Um, but the short version is that uh, I wanted to, be, to become a concert pianist because I thought I was quite good and I enjoyed it and I wanted to play the Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto. So when I was um, 14, I realized that you have to have a second instrument to get into the music colleges in London. So I was looking for a second instrument and uh, at school they said, well, you can have a, a flute or a clarinet um, or an oboe and nothing against the flute or the clarinet, the oboe, but I really did not want to play them. And, uh, and then I thought the harp might be quite nice, but the harp, uh, my dad said no, because you'd have to buy a new car and he would have to carry it probably everywhere. And they were very expensive. And the teacher at school said, we have a French horn, but um, that's for boys. Usually boys play the French horn. I was like, let me try. I was not really a rebel or anything. I just thought, why should there be an instrument for boys? Um, or you know, may maybe I'd be good at it, I don't know. Um, and I had such a fantastic first teacher. And I think that is the key to music education, not only music education, to any sort of education. If your first teacher instills this absolute love and passion in you, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you just want to keep doing it. And uh, he was very encouraging. And um, I practiced like crazy in the first days in the youth orchestra. My very first youth orchestra made me think, this is so cool. We can, my all my scales and arpeggios, it means I can play music with other people. And I forgot completely about being a pianist. And I have played the piano concerto by Tchaikovsky since, but only on the horn. <laughs> only the horn part. That's a great start. <laughs> it's a good a beginning start. though, isn't it? Yes. You can make or break that piece as a horn player. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and I guess that your your you know that that path that led you toward the great works of the classical music and and their great repertoire also brought you closer to also I guess to film music in a way because I guess in those years there was this great resurgence of orchestral film scores led mainly by John Williams. So. What was your first encounter with, with John's music? My very first encounter, and this, you know, to be honest, makes me feel very old. I don't know quite how that <laughs> happened because I've stayed 21 for years. But um, my very first encounter is quite a funny story because my, my dad was a journalist and we were living in Moscow when Star Wars came out. Tell me what year that was, 78? 77. 77, 78. Yeah. I wasn't even born then, so I'm not quite sure how that happened. <laughs> uh, we were very young. And I don't remember the horns at all because I didn't even know what a horn was. But I remember going to that film and everyone thought it was too too scary for us younger kids, but we weren't going to miss out on it. There was a special showing of it at the American Embassy. Um, and I remember just being blown away by by it all. I can't in those, you know, at that age, you don't separate the music from the pictures. It's only later you realize how important the film music is. Um, but I, I saw it in Russia. Uh, for the first time, but my parents had a better story. They were invited to the evening showing at the ambassador's residence. And my mother was sat next to a Russian guy who didn't speak any English. So he said to her, my mom spoke quite good Russian. She said, could you translate this for me a little bit so that I can understand it? And no one knew what was coming. So I was like, yeah, sure. So the credit goes up. And then the yellow writing starts going. And my mom's trying to say, yeah, and a galaxy, a uh, galaxy far, far, all uh, uh, oh, the, the rebel troops. And she was like, ah. so she she did her best to translate this, you know, all the way through like Chewbacca. And I mean, she, poor, poor lady, she had a really rough time of it, but she could sort of get the story going. At the end of it, this guy stands up and introduces himself to her. It was Yuri Gagarin. 
the wow. famous Russian astronaut. <laughs> and, and he said to her, ah, oh, the Americans, they make films about war in space. We Russians, we make peace in space. So that, <laughs> that was just quite a funny story. Um, so that was our first encounter. And then after that, I was in love with Harrison Ford all my life, like literally all my life. I, of course, I still am. And when, when John Williams announced in the Berlin Philharmonic concert um, that, that Harrison Ford is in London and filming the fifth episode and he was about to write the music. I was just like, Harrison, he's coming. <laughs> well, that, that reminds me, you, you posted that fantastic horn solo photo, which I think is legendary. Uh, earlier this year, I think for Star Wars Day, you posted that brilliant of Han Solo with the French. That's horn. right. Perfect. That's right. I'm horn glad solo. you saw that. Yeah, horn Perfect. solo was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Harrison was my hero, but but I must say, then the film sort of kept coming, and and think films like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, I was too young to appreciate the film music, as I said, but it was la only later on when I started the horn, and started, you know, the, the films were still coming. You know, what I found out about this week with John in Berlin was that how many of my younger colleagues don't know these movies? You know, that's quite shocking. Um, you know, like start, okay, they know Harry Potter and they know, you know, um, Han Solo and they, they know, they know these things, but they don't know like the old originals or Superman, my colleague sitting next to me, he'd never seen Superman. So I was giving them all homework. I was like, okay, tonight you're watching this, tonight you're watching <laughs> Watch that. list. And, um, and it was only later on that, uh, that I realized, oh my goodness, there are all these horn sol solos in it. And John's music and I can really say that it's not just because I'm a horn player. John's music would be nothing without the French horns because the French horns in his music are everything. They're, they're the hero, they're the love interest, they're the adventure, they're the scary bits, they're the fast bits, they're the triumphant bits when, when they get away from the bad guys. Uh, the horns are really everything. And um, if anyone wants to fight me on that, I'll stick up for it. But I don't know, Tim, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely, hundred percent. No, I agree because you've got you know the the longingness as well. You know, I, I love one of the the favorite moments is the you remember the scene in Saving Private Ryan and the military cars coming up the drive and the mother sees the car. Oh yes! Suddenly, you know, Gus Sebring his solo his oh. solo kicks in and it's exemplifying the mother's thoughts of oh no, I know what this news is. You know, and there's a beautifully tender moment. Uh, you know, that's that's an incredible moment. But you're, you're right. I mean, absolutely. And of course, the binary sunset, that iconic solo from David Cripps, which, you know, you you have obviously had the pleasure of playing too, and so many of your colleagues. You must get a real kick whenever you play that that famous. Well, the solo. sad thing is, we don't play much John Williams music now. My, um, of course, we we played. We did a movie night um, at uh, with the Berlin Phil at the Waldbühne, which is our open air location with Simon Rattle, and we played a few of them. Of course, we played you know Star Wars and Superman and Indiana Jones. And I don't know if anyone or any of your listeners have seen any of these videos. I'm sure they have. But I got the horn section in different costumes for everyone. We and nobody knew we were going <laughs> to. Do this. I got in big trouble afterwards, but we had, we had Indiana Jones hat. I had a Princess Leia um, uh, hairdo, of course, it was done very quickly. And then for the applause for the Imperial March, the camera was swooping over the orchestra and literally stopped because there were six horn players with Darth Vader masks on and the camera went away quite quickly. So, um, so we had a lot of fun with that, but we don't play that sort of music very often. Right. Yes. Not so many of the cues. Okay. Yes. 
Yeah, and that's the other thing. I think that uh, jazz music uh, started to enter more regularly in the repertoire just in recent years when, when of course, this... Of course, he, he, he's a legend for, for any musician of, uh, right now, but I think that it, it was a long way to go to arrive for him to several historic places like the Musikverein in Vienna uh, in January 2020 when he did the concert with uh, uh, the Vienna Philharmonic and then this year uh, the Berlin Philharmonic. So I want to ask you, do you did you have a sort of a hand into bringing John <laughs> in Europe or, or was it something that was already in planning f- for a long time? I had no hand in it, but of course everybody knew that I knew him. Um, because I've been very lucky in that I've been able to play with him before and I've had a real full sit-down interview with him. You know all this, you're the, you're, you, know, you guys know everything about him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so everybody knew that I knew him. So it was like, can you get John to do this? Can you get John to do this? Can we have his email? Can we? It was just like, guys, you know, John's one of the most protected people on the planet, um, rightly so, and uh, needs his privacy. And um, and so, you know, I couldn't really help anybody with that. But I feel that when John was, he got to Berlin, I was literally one of the first people he saw, and it made him feel feel a little bit at home because I, I have played for him before. I was very lucky. I was in Tanglewood to do an interview with him for um, my film, A World Without Beethoven. And his segment was the film music segment. Could, was Beethoven the, 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 the precursor to film music? Would he have been a good film music composer? And um, we, had, we had the interview, it was wonderful, it was at the hotel that John was staying in. Um, John came in, he said, I've only got 10 minutes, I'm composing the new Star Wars music, I just don't know yet. And we'd flown like with the whole team <laughs> across the pond. We've only got 10 minutes. And uh, and we literally talked for an hour and he played my horn, as you know. And, um, yes. and that night, the, the Boston Symphony Orchestra call up and the horns and they say, look, someone someone can't come tomorrow. Can you jump in for movie night? I was like, yes! Wow, so that's how that actually happened. Very <laughs> yeah. good. So that was my first experience with things like, I, I sat in my motel room that night with a silent brass mute in my horn. Um, I had been working as a, as a presenter, so I hadn't been practicing and, you, and everybody knows how tiring the horn parts are for John Williams concerts. And there were things on the program like the Cowboys Overture. I'd never oh, heard wow. it, you know? <laughs> Olympic fanfare, okay, I'd heard it, but I'd never played it. And to do all that bells up, you have to have it memorized because you can't see the music. And, um, and so that was my first experience of playing with John, but I, you know, I'd met him the day before, but I must say when he walked out on stage and for the Boston Symphony, Gus Sebring sitting on first one, how legendary is that? And when he walked out and took up the baton and started Star Wars, I couldn't play. I was literally so moved. And if, you're, if your throat is closed with tears, you cannot play the French horn. And the Boston Symphony horn players who I love, they looked down the line, they were like, yep, Yep, she's off. She's off. <laughs> because they say it happens to them as well. It's to, to experience such a wonderful living composer um, who's a hero for us horn players. Well, for a lot of people, but especially for the horn players. And I was sitting there and the wonderful thing about John is he conducts his own music as if it was the first time, you know. He's got that enthusiasm, that boyishness, that passion. I was gone. A Yoda? Oh, my goodness. I, I could hardly get those notes out. But it was an amazing <laughs> concert. So that was my first experience playing with him. So I, 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 I had done most of the stuff before, but most of the Berlin Philharmonic had not. 
Yeah, and, and that, that was so lovely to see some of the pictures that you shot uh, backstage with a whole section with him. Uh, there are literally a couple of pictures that are so lovely because he was, yes. you can see from his face that he was enjoying so much the experience, like he was in, in, imbuing himself in that environment. And you can see also, because I was lucky to be there in the audience to, to attend the concerts. It wouldn't have been the same without you. <laughs> oh, no, no, that, that's so flattering to hear but really the point is uh, um, you could see the faces of the orchestra the players all smiling including yourself of course <laughs> I felt like afterwards okay I should have toned it down a bit. and uh, where, where I was sitting I could see John's face pretty well because I was a little bit on the side So, and he was like a boy really smiling and exchanging looks with everyone and I mean I guess it doesn't happen every day to, to feel such kind of atmosphere. It, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, I'm very lucky to play in the Berlin Philharmonic because they're an orchestra that gives 200% every night. I mean, there's no dead wood in there. There's no, everyone pulls their weight more than, than you know, that's necessary. Often, It's just like such a fantastic atmosphere with any conductor. Um, and we have amazing evenings so often. But I must say, that the, the John Williams week was really something, and I've never seen the, the audience, I've never seen an audience like that, except at pop concerts. It was absolutely <laughs> crazy. I mean, on the last night, the Saturday night with the live digital concert hall audience, in the hall, there must have been his entire fan club. They stood up. My sister was in the audience. She's like, I've never stood up so much at a concert in my life. <laughs> After every single piece. After every piece, yes. It was funny because the, the president, uh, well, the former president of Verez Saraband, the famous record label, Robert Townsend, actually made a made a statement on, on social media saying, pretty sure it's the first concert he's ever seen an ovation after each piece. And, and obviously, I mean, I'm sure you probably concur. But I'm, gl I'm glad you mentioned like it. The, the digital concert hall because it was such, you know, for, for us who sadly couldn't be there, it was so wonderful to feel like we were there and you know the 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 big nets with all the players you know even you know that whole week there was nice little teasers and interviews with everyone saying how they first heard john williams and you know the interview with the cellist the soloist was i thought was beautiful uh during the intermission um but yes the 20, 20 minutes i think at the very end of the concert that was the must be a record for a standing ovation. And John years. was so tired. I mean, he was such a hero coming out so many times. He was really tired. I mean, in, in America, his his concerts are done once, you know, um, and 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 usually he does half the program. In at, at Tanglewood, he did half the program, and uh, and here he did. And also, his assistant will sometimes do the rehearsals, but he did all the rehearsals, a dress rehearsal, which was open to our friends and family. He did three concerts and I mean it's really incredible it was so sweet in the applause every night to actually stop everybody he did this he was like okay I'm going to bed now <laughs> yeah he's a signature uh gesture that the concert is really over at that moment and, and, and speaking of rehearsals do you have any nice stories or anecdotes about how they played out I mean uh, there were some photos again on social media and you can see uh, you players talking with him or not just posing for pictures but also trying to exchange a few words with him so how, how it well it was really it was really like a pop star coming in for most people one one colleague came up to me and said 
what is all this? Why are there bodyguards backstage? I was like, this is John Williams. Yeah, but is that so? I mean, he really was not, it was not um, clear that to him how huge he is. The guy never goes to the movies. So, okay. But for most people, it was a real pop star. But um, the first rehearsal, people were a little bit, you know, reserved. And But John is so warm and so welcoming. And people did have questions about the music. So they were going up and asking him things. And John is so open. When he's backstage, he's in his room. And that, that I think find that absolutely okay you know he's tired he he needs a little rest um and for the photo with the horns backstage I made sure I got official permission because he wasn't actually doing photos backstage um but but he always he loves the horns so he did um but you know up on the podium people were posing with him and talking to him um it was wonderful he only had a little story to tell about everyone he, I love the story he told you probably heard it about Luke and Leah and look at the Leia theme in oh, Star yes. Wars. Um, you know, that the fact that that if he'd known they were going to be brother and sister later on, he might have written the, the love theme differently. You know, we didn't know all that. It's fantastic. And uh, and my orchestra is really not used to to playing music. And and most people hadn't played any of it before. There's yes. a lot of stuff in there. It's technically huge. And I'd made a joke with him on the very first day um, before the first rehearsal. I was in the hall deciding where we were going to sit. And, uh, and all of a sudden I felt that and I turned around and John was there. He was like just watching from the side of the stage. So we had a chat and I said, you know, John, it's really tiring all this stuff for us. And we're playing it with six horns. It's only written for four and some horn sections do it with eight, but we're doing it with six. And he said, yeah, well, I'll check in with you and see how your lips are doing. And he really did the whole week. And then at some point he said backstage, he said, I'll cover all your dental bills. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, lovely <laughs> all sorts i mean he was just and then then he'd look up and in the concert as well he looked at me and he went <laughs> how are they doing oh it was just it was just a great week yeah i i do i do remember the 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 small moment that we when we met uh, outside the concert hall uh, and you said to me that you know this stuff isn't meant to play one piece after the other my lips hurt now <laughs> so, yeah john john so, said that he said this this music was not written he apologized he said this music is not written to i mean in in the first half we had six finales of six movies or was it six or five i can't remember but every end of a piece was a huge finale and the most tiring thing in film music are the credits the credit musics music parts because there you have all the themes mixed together and it always finishes with a bam 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 <laughs> so that's when it gets tiring and and we'd finished everything we'd done the olympic fanfare and then we did far and away and close encounters and um, harry potter yes. i mean ooh. <laughs> And and it's not it wasn't composed to be played one after the other, so it, it was incredible. But we all knew he was coming, and we all knew we were going to play it. And I, I, really, I was so proud of our brass section, because we, we, you know Bruckner and Mahler. They're so easy compared to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, have, I have to say, really, uh, you know, I, I had the luck to, to experience a few John Williams concerts in my life with John Williams music. Uh, but I have to say, this is the very first time where I really felt in my body the power of the Brax section. You know, I, I've been to several concerts in my life, symphony concert, orchestra concerts, but this was the very first time I see, really, I felt it in my body. I mean, it was so power, so there. I don't know, probably also the, the acoustics of the hall, which is an incredible hall, helps you in that. But really, it, it was really a, a, a physical experience also, not just 
something intellectual or, or emotional. It's it's also physical, and I realize how much music is tied to our soul and how it makes makes vibrates inside, and and really make it make feels us connected to something very powerful. And I think John's music is in this regard is very uh, special because he, you were just talking about his own solos. Um, I was talking with your colleague Stefan Jaszewski after again hanging out after the concerts uh, outside the hall. Home, play, home players like to hang out. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, he was saying a thing that that really carried with me, and he said John writes really the perfect music for the home players. Everything is written in the perfect register. It's, he said something like he's the meat and potato. It's the meat and potato of the horn player. It's just perfect. I, I agree with that if you're a high horn player, um, which Stefan is, and I'm officially a low horn player. Um, it doesn't mean I, I'm not, I can't play the high notes and that I don't have to because I do. You know, you guys know it, second horns are often up in the gods with, with the first horns. And in Bruckner, I would liken John's horn parts to Bruckner horn parts because in Bruckner, the first and second horns are the two high horns and third and fourth are the lower ones. And John's music is often like that. But remember in the studios, the, the, whoever books the horns usually books principal players from around the area, like in LA and look at who was on, on the LSO sessions and everything, you know, most of them are principal horn players, not low horn players. So John writes a lot of fantastic music, perfect, perfectly pitched, but quite high. And that is a big challenge for us low horn players. I really went into bodybuilding mode with my lips the weeks before because um, it, it's higher than my comfort zone. And, um, but you don't want to leave it out. You know, you don't want to go bum bum ba bum 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 bum. You don't want to go bum bum ba bum 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 bum. You know, you want to play those high notes with everybody, but it takes a lot of courage as a low horn player. Tim, you you know what I mean? No, no, absolutely, no, hundred percent. And you know, you want to protect your embouchure. And you know, we're we're talking there about seeing and experiencing symphony concerts all across the world. It's amazing now, you know. This may sound a bit geeky, but we'll, we'll go with it. You know, ha having the bells up from the horn sections is a really big deal. I mean, it adds to the drama. It, it looks terrific as well. Obviously, you know, I'm thinking about those wonderful Mahler concerts as well, you know, that Humphrey Burton directed. But it was so great to see the horns up, uh, bells up. And, you know, there was, I think, a post uh, a few days before the concert. So, you did it, I think, during the first rehearsal, didn't you, or something as a surprise? Is that is that yeah, what you did? Yeah, that's right. Because it's not written in the in the end of ET. It's not written in dum bum ba da ba da ba da ba. It's not it's not written in the part. It is written in Olympic fanfare. This is like really geeky. So I hope your listener Maurizio will forgive us. You're in good company. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But that your, the John Williams fans should know about this. This is really important. So yeah. for anyone wondering what I'm talking about, this is bells up. So we play like this and bells up literally like that. So you, you have the horn this way. But if you have the horn here, you can't see the music. Or you can look underneath it. Or if you're a bit taller, I can't see the music when I'm doing bells up. Um, so... Uh, um, so it's in Olympic fanfare, but it's not at the end of ET. I called Andrew Bain and I said, where do you put the bells down again in Olympic fanfare? And that's fine. And I said, do you think it would be okay if we do bells up in ET? He said, you have to do bells up in ET. So <laughs> I, I don't know how used to, to that John was, but it's not in the part, but we did it anyway. And he loved it. Every time we did it, he gave me a special smile. That was I, I felt very, very blessed. Yeah, no, absolutely. It really is only you 
and the uh, LSO that, that had done really? that. Really? Well. Yeah, I mean, the, all, all the American guys, Vienna didn't, although it might be tricky with their horns. I suppose. Yeah, they probably fall apart. <laughs> 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 There's an image, <laughs> but it's it, no, it's just obviously visually tremendous. But the one of the things we'd obviously love to hear is whether you know, because the Berlin Phil have a terrific, have their own label and have their own you know Philharmonic shop and some wonderful recordings and releases. Uh, is there by any chance going to be a an album on on your label? Are you allowed to stay, or is it under wraps? Or watch this space. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good Very tease. good to know. Okay. Very good to know. Space. We have the digital concert hall recording. It came out yesterday. So um, everyone can watch that. And it's totally worth it. You can buy a, a seven-day pass to the digital concert hall or a, a month pass or whatever, and you can watch it um, as many times as you like. And uh, that, uh, um, I, I think, yeah, it's it's a really great concert to watch. And the sound, the be- yes. my favorite thing about the digital concert hall is the sound. It's incredible. Yes. Mm, um, it really they're, is. they're remote totally. cameras, so they're not as active as a normal TV concert would be. So, you know, you're, you're preset, so you can zoom in and out a little bit, but you're, you know, you, you can't move around a lot. So, um, but they do a fantastic job, but the sound is incredible. Christoph Franke, our, the head of audio was, was on that week and uh, did an amazing job. And um, the patch session was actually planned, but we didn't do that in the end because John had to leave. So we all knew that, you know, there's this one bit in the Olympic fanfare. Now here we're getting really nerdy, but Maurizio, that's allowed, isn't it? <laughs> yes, uh, totally, absolutely. <laughs> so there's this, I'll tell you another little insider. Um, there's this one bit in the, in the, in the, for the horns in the Olympic fanfare that goes, and that's high B flats. And to get, to get four horns on a high B flat all the same, it's really not easy. And the first two evenings, we we weren't quite perfect, you know. So we had one night, the digital concert hall night, to get it right. And it was really quite stressful, you know, because you you know, and and we did. So we're very proud. <laughs> and you see on the uh, you see on on the book, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> so you have to be yeah. prepared. <laughs> so so the the, the 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 potential for for humiliation is enormous on the night of the digital digital concert hall live stream. But um, it's all recorded. And uh, to answer your question, I'm not actually quite sure what I can say except watch this space. And I hope yeah. you won't be too disappointed. Not at all. No, that's a wonderful tease. Absolutely. It's just, you know, we, like, for instance, the, the recent Marler box that I just adore, you know, it, it's so beautifully bound. You know, it's, and, it's beautifully it's made. Attention to detail. I mean, yeah. a, a lot of labels wouldn't have that kind of. Uh, input into the presentation do you know what I mean you know it's sometimes it's just kind of put out so you know fingers, fingers crossed. crossed but the fingers no crossed. no when you when you call when you talk about the the sound of the concert hall and the, the, the dynamics and the balance of the orchestra I thought it was perfect certainly on the on the recording you know I, I heard and the timpani I love the timpanist was really going for it as well like he, he had a he great time in his element yeah like, yeah you, you could see also the one of the percussion player the one who plays the piatti he was waiting for the moment at the end of the Olympic fanfare where there's a big, you know, that that thing that John does in many of his pieces, the Gran Casa playing a quaver before the Piatti comes in. So, and he was waiting for that moment <laughs> with a huge smile. Yeah, that's a moment you do not place. want to mess up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> and, and speaking of that, you know, you, you can see that for many members of the orchestra, you know, playing with John was a real dream come true for yourself, too. Uh, so but do you think his music will become more and more 
part of the standard repertoire of symphony orchestras, not just in you know movie nights or, or special film concerts, but also you know you know John did a lot of still does a lot of concertized version of his uh, movie music. So do you think his music will be more and more part of standard repertoire together alongside you know the great pieces from from Mahler, Prokofiev, Strauss, and so on? Well, I don't see why not. There is a problem always, it's quite expensive music to perform um, because it's always protected by a Star Wars franchise or this and that. So I, I'm not an expert. I don't know about finding, I mean, that our library knows about that better than I do. So that's not, I know it's not easy for music hire um, and that might put people off. It also needs a huge orchestra. It needs a really, really good, brass players and really yes. good you know it's uh it just needs it's quite an event it's quite a huge force and i don't i don't know how protected um these pieces are if you just decide you want to play raiders march if that's no problem you just hire the music i think you have to go through all sorts of channels to get that but like the bernstein foundation i'm not sure yeah. um that might be something that would make life easier if that was that was made uh, an easier path Maybe it isn't easy. I don't know. Maybe you guys know more about this than I do. No, I, I, yeah, I think that that's certainly a problem. And one of the problem of proposing film music in concerts, in concert hall, is the fact that it's difficult to, to build a standard repertoire of just film music, of great pieces. Of course, John's pieces, are many of them are available to, to buy from his publisher, uh, but it's difficult for other composers or other great pieces that would deserve also to be presented and played by great yeah, what orchestras. do you program with a, I mean I think something like the Cowboys how do you program a, a John Williams piece you know mm -hmm. it's 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 quite hard to combine them because yes. do you put a, a Bruckner symphony in the second half and the Cowboys overture in the first half or you know it's it's an evening of John's music or an evening of film music fantastic but John's pieces they're so well done they're so well orchestrated mm -hmm. and like my colleague Stefan said he understands the instruments he really knows what sounds good he knows what's possible he pushes everyone to their limits um but it, how how would you program that you know it's not it's not so easy and and his solo concertos have never sort of made it into that mainstream concert repertoire not yet anyway the the piece bruno's piece was the elegy was just amazing but it's short yes yeah no i i, I was thinking also because um you know I, i'm old enough to to remember the days where it was really impossible to 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 think that an orchestra like the burdenfield or the vienna phil would play film music and specifically John's music and and there seems to be really a sea change in this regard and I don't think as I as I wrote in my uh, little review of the concert on the yes, website thank you for that it was beautiful oh, oh thank you thank you really but but really what what I wa really wanted to point out is not just because John is now an old venerable master that is being respected by everyone that's now is is right to perform his music there's something else going on, I think. It's the fact that probably people playing in orchestras grew up listening to this music and they don't have any preconception or even prejudice uh, considering this great music. That's it. It doesn't matter if it's written for film. or. I, I mean, I, I've never experienced prejudice like, oh, we can't play that. It's only film music. I mean, it's, it's just a, a general fact that John is a genius, you know, and there are other fantastic film composers as well, but there's no one from
in my book, there's no one to compare to John. As a as a as a musician, I say that not just as an enter, you know, someone who likes to be entertained. It's not just that he writes nice tunes. It's everything about it. It's the orchestration. It's the thought. It's the building up, building down. Of course, a lot of it's uh, predictable. It sounds like a negative word, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all. But you know, you start off with a bang, and then you go into a love theme, and then you build it up again and finish on a on a high note. That that's that that's showbiz. You know, that, yeah. that's what you get. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, he 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 also worked as as an arranger for musicals like Fiddler on the Roof, for example, where he did some fantastic orchestration for the film version of the musical. Uh, so he's in tune also with that world. You know, he knows very well. He worked in the past with the great MGM orchestrators in the fifties and the sixties. He knows. Were... He just knows. He knows what to do. But that's how he started. He came from the keyboard. And and all the best composers come from the keyboard, you know. They 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 all they can all play their own stuff, and uh, and and you can just his his mastery of the orchestra is really astounding. And I don't I don't feel any like there's any prejudice. I just feel it's it's hard to program, um, in the in the sort of typical maybe we have to rethink the way we program yes. classical music concerts. You know, mm -hmm. um, and also, what do you program after a John Williams piece? Because the, he brings the house down. You get people to sit back and listen to a Mozart symphony. I mean, I would love that, but that, that, that's, that's yeah, fun. yeah, it, it definitely poses challenges. Yes, the we're talking about the the Blue Book, like the Hal Leonard signature edition, or the the Blue Book Club. Apparently, is what it's called in the music world. But the, the the horn edition, which uh, was lovingly kind of dedicated to Vince Rosa, I'd just be interested to hear, Sarah, you know, was there, or maybe still is, you know, a horn solo from, you know, the, the past Hollywood classic scores or maybe London-based scores, which really resonates with you? Is there a specific horn solo you often go back to? or You, you know, mean a John solo? Williams one or you mean yes. other composers? Because I was just suddenly thinking, is he asking me for a different other composers and horn solos? And, you know, if I had to think, if a non-John Williams horn solo is hard to think of, I mean, Titanic maybe, James Horner and stuff like that, or Robin Hood, but they're all John <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> they're all John. I mean, you, there, there's just too many of them. And unfortunately, Maurizio, you know, um, we, uh, Leah's theme was planned and we played it in the first concert. Yes. But John was too tired. It went on too long. And of course, our prince, our first horn was a guest, uh, Chris Parks, and he was devastated. We were all devastated that it was cut. And Chris and John actually asked Chris to go to his room where he apologized in person and said, please, you play it so beautifully. It had nothing to do with how you play it. He said, I'm just I'm just tired. The concert's so long. So it was either cutting a piece or cutting what he talked about. And of course, nobody wanted him to to not talk. Yeah. So he actually, he he talked a lot. During a lot. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. it great? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was really <laughs> yes. good. Much more than Vienna. Much more. Yeah. Uh, he, John loved Berlin. He loved being here. He'd spent a few days here. He told me, like he said in the concert, you know, all these children out on the street and it's just had such a beautiful feeling and so much history and, and the sun was shining those days he was here and he, he really loved it. And the Berlin audience is very special. They're very international. And the orchestra is very international. It's called the Berlin Philharmonic, but it's almost half foreigners. And uh, and it's just, it, it's very open and um I'm not saying Vienna's not, of course they are, but they're 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 they 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 see they're much more traditional in a way. We Berlin is very very open. I think John John sensed that, and also in English, and he, I think he sensed everyone really understood what he was saying in Berlin, and uh, I, he just loved it. You could tell it was great. Yeah. You asked oh, me yeah. for a solo. Um, 
you know, what can I say? Of course, Luke and Leah, uh, uh, Leah's theme. Oh, um, yeah. That, that, that is the horn solo. And um, do you remember when I did the horn hangout with the principal horns? Yes, yes last night. Of course, yeah. Brilliant. And that was such an amazing event to listen to each one of them, each principal horn from each Star Wars movie. We did it on the fourth, of course, when else? And to listen to there, every single one of them had played it, you know? And and when you listen to the films, you listen to the scores, you can hear it, you know, if you're a home player, you can hear, that's Dave Cripps. Ah, that's Dylan Skyheart, you know? That's Andrew Bain. You can really hear who was doing what. And uh, so that, of course, is the classic one. But you've got yeah. you know, the Star Wars theme comes on the horns first, and and uh, and you get to Yoda, and Yoda has this wonderful, uh, you know. L- that finally, John goes in the low range a little bit. You've got that. <laughs> and you've got, you know, what what was the one you just said at the beginning? Forgotten already. That Private Ryan. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. Yeah. There's too many. You know. I know that's true. Yeah, it's just I, I guess sometimes you know whenever. We, you know, we, we all compile playlists, uh, whether it be for the car or for for a walk. It's sometimes it's it's uh, there's often a piece you can, you kind of go back to regularly just to either hear the beauty of the sound, beauty of the playing, uh, or of course essentially the yours. natural music. Well, I I would actually go for you know I I would probably go for it would have to be Sleepers. Now this was uh, one of Jim Thatcher's solos. I have to listen to that again. Sleepers you you guys are much you're you're bigger nerds than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, well, I love it all, but I'm pretty mainstream, you know. You guys know every bar well, at all. But I, I'm going back to listen to that because I think I think I know the one you mean. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I think you'll you'll recognize it when yeah. you hear it. It's, it's yeah. just uh, you know the, the tone of that. That's wonderful. There's, there's also Superman, uh, David Cripps, Superman the movie, the death of Jonathan Kent. The, that's um, you know the, the restraint. And an emotional kind of uh, tone of that is just is is beautiful because it could have easily been kind of overplayed, but he really manages to get the tragedy of that. So it's so poignant, you know. Uh, but of course, and and then as you say, mentioned earlier, Saving Private Ryan. I think Gus Sebring's solo during that score is just stunning, uh, so stunning. Uh, you know, he has all, a lovely kind of um, range. Yeah, they did that live, I think, in the movie night I was there, and I was like, on the end, just going. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, Gus, the, the hymn. an amazing playing. Player. Yes, yes. And speaking, and speaking of, of uh, great musicians, I mean, uh, me and Tim spoke with, with many, luckily, uh, of John Williams players in Los Angeles that recorded in many of his scores, uh, including Jim Thatcher and, and, and also other great, great first-chair players that, that played in dozens of John scores. Malcolm McNabb, the great trumpet player, and Luis de Tullio, the great flutist. So what's the perspective of a classical musician like you when you hear these amazing studio musicians pulling out such virtuosity and, and such incredible dexterity in, in having music play right off the bat? Because we know studio musicians are like the... The, the, the Navy Seals of the music, you know, they came in, boom, they opened the book and they play. <laughs> it's so impressive. It's so impressive. We, I mean, I, we couldn't do that. We're not sight readers. We need our two, three rehearsals to get everything sorted, but then, then they're really good. 
um, studio musicians are so impressive. They come and they just play this stuff. And I remember the story of, um, of the LSO playing Star Wars for the first time. They had no idea they were booked to go to the studio. Um, they'd heard it was some, some science fiction stuff. Um, I think it was Clyde Gillinson who told me this story. You know, the he was a cellist in the LSO and now he's the, the head of Carnegie Hall. And he just, he said, he said they had no idea and nobody had gotten the music. And the day before, Morris Murphy, it was his first day in the orchestra on trial as principal trumpet. The day before Morris Murphy went to get the music, principal trumpet opened up, was like, I won't repeat the words um, because they're not very internet friendly, but it's um, like, ooh, in his Northern way. Yeah, so uh, I think that was quite a shock to a lot of people how hard that actually was. So, I mean, complete chapeau to the studio musicians who play John's stuff. Yeah, and some of them are now, you know, the stuff of legend, like uh, Vince De Rosa that we mentioned before. I mean, what what can you say? I mean, it's it's like uh, having, having and, and being so exposed also. If you think about how much, how many people watch those movies. A funny thing was with John in, in, in Berlin was that um, he has this studio timing in him. You know, he's like, okay, we do this, right. And now this, and we do this. And the or my orchestra is like, okay, let's find our music. Let's look for this. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's chat to our neighbor and let's do this. And John was like, dang, dang, okay, figure F now. And everyone's still looking for figure F, um, you know? And it was really, that was really funny to watch. It was like, he was on studio, studio yeah. time it's, it's in his blood yeah. <laughs> yeah the red light going on you know <laughs> you have to be yeah we, we right on, cue. on that a lot that we people were like why is he in such a rush and i said because he's used to the studio and they were like oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh, um sarah before wrapping up i want to ask you about uh, you know you are such a great uh, musical citizen of the world i would say uh, because all the stuff that you do with your uh, horn hangout series which is absolutely brilliant but also all the education and, and your really love for bringing people together so how important is for you uh, to connect with people online and, and, and gather a community around uh, what you do around also even your instrument I mean uh, how much important is that for you for, for, for your life as a musician it's vital and, and these days in the, in, the, in the times of the internet and with kids having phones and tablets ingrained into their hands, that's probably the next thing they'll have chips in here. You know, um, it's absolutely vital and it's necessary for what we do because in the old days you'd go to concerts because your parents made you um, or your parents were playing classical music at home when you found a nice piece so you're interested in that. These days it doesn't happen that way around. It happens the way around that people get interested in a character or a person or what is she? Oh, she's quite cool. Um, what does she do? Horn, what's a horn? What orchestra? Oh, I'll just listen to some of their music. That's the way round things seems to go. I don't know, Tim, what do you think? Is, is that too too general? Is that is that an unfair um, uh, way of thinking? I mean, I. I, I, that's why this interaction is so important because people do get interested in, in music that way. That's right. And, and you're sharing both the enthusiasm, the love, and also essentially the, the education, which is absolutely, uh, you know, the, uh, what was that term you used, Maurizio, the uh, musical ambassador? Yes. Yeah, no, which is absolutely a wonderful phrase. It's so, so appropriate. Some of the um, the activity you did over summer, the Mozart Mambos, was it? I Thanks. think, Thank was, you, was yeah. just terrific. Because yeah. so again, it's, 
multi you know multinational and uh it's 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 great as well to to cross that kind of sometimes that barrier which is often well, in music. thank you that that's that's also a big point and the point is that we are so privileged we live in countries where we have access to good teachers good concerts good equipment online music um uh you know everything we we have it we have that access even if you're if you don't have so much money you can still you know watch youtube and learn things and um i i'm dealing with countries like cuba and and, and latin america and places that really they do not have this mm. this 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 luxury that we have but they love music with such a passion and i think it's it's almost our duty to share what we have um and that's why i put on horn master classes online and, and do this and that because they don't it's not for you know the people at the at the high high school around the corner because they can come and see me but yes. it's, it's more like and it's also letting people have a look into our life when i started the horn hangout um over 10 years ago now um nobody did that nobody interviewed people about how it was to play in orchestras and it was it was very it, now everybody interviews everybody about everything so there's no it's, it's almost too much you know? including like, myself we, we know too much but um i i felt like i let people in you know they want to see backstage they want to see behind the scenes they want to know about a berlin philharmonic horn player they want to 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 find out that i get nervous too you know it makes them maybe feel a little bit better or, or gives them inspiration that if i made it maybe they can too i'm not you know we're not these penguins in fancy dress who come on stage and just bow and go off stage. I, I don't want to be that sort of person. And when I started doing it, there was quite a lot of pushback from, from colleagues that just thought it was self-promotion. I've never ever seen it like that. And I think it's absolutely vital to, to our branch of, of, of music that we love so much. It totally feels very, very spontaneous in, in, my, in my eyes, I mean, at least, because it's you, you can bring really joy into people having, having fun, you know, and playing music. And, you know, those, th that project, Mozart and Mambo, that you did, it was so wonderful because of that, because you can see the joy. You know, music, classical music can be something so joyful and enthusiastic that it's not like stuff for old guys going into, you know, with, with white hair, going to a concert hall. It can be something very genuine, very... You know, I was talking before about feeling music physically, and I think this is something essential to bring younger people into concert hall to, to feel that it's something like that you can also feel within yourself. It's not just like that stuff that you have to think about and be, and feel in clever to to understand it. No, it's it's there for everyone, and and music is a giant stream where everyone can dive in and you know and just enjoy enjoy being uh, moved by it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we'll drink to that, won't we, Tim? Yeah, uh, 100%. 100%. And there's the, the Digital Concert Hall. That's a great segment with you, Sarah, the, the, the family Christmas concert, which I suppose is, is coming up. Uh, coming you know, up. Coming up soon. So it's quite quite timely. That's uh, something we could recommend along with the, the John Williams concert. It's uh, no, 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 tremendous. And also, I think that John's music could be also a key ingredient in for, for future generations because it's not just because uh, it's music from successful film that many people love. It's because it's music that makes you feel happy, makes you feel joyful, it makes you feel a huge range of emotions. And, and another thing that I think is now, maybe it's less important now that it's music, like you were saying before, a lot of people maybe never saw Superman or, or the older Star Wars movies or Close Encounters, but they still enjoy the music. You know, I was there at the concerts with my wife, who's now starting to 
to become more acquainted with John Williams' music. And and she's starting really to I imagine being married to you, there's no choice. (laughs) As as somebody very famous said, there were three of us in this relationship. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll ask her if if, if, if she feels that way, actually. No, but the fact is that she hasn't seen many of those movies. She never saw Star Wars, for example, but she now loves the music. I mean, it's fun. I mean, after the concert was ended, I said, I asked her, what what was your favorite moment and she said far away and you know because it's just great music it's not like because it's uh, it's a movie that everyone saw it's you know it's a fine movie absolutely but it's not something that it's it's just the music that is makes you feel so if 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 i may if if i may have the final word (laughs) ladies first where you can have your final words but my final (laughs) words would be the, the word to, that sums up the best how I felt last week playing John's music, the word, it has to be joy. I was full of joy the whole week. Of course, my teeth hurt, my lips hurt, my back hurt. I was exhausted at the end of the week. My arms hurt from the bells up, but I was full of joy. I played slurs. I played high notes. I swooped up and down the horn and all the technical difficulties were somehow not forgotten because you're always aware of that. But I was full of such joy. And I'm so grateful to John for writing such incredible music. It will be with us for generations and generations after and um yeah just gratefulness and joy really mm. yeah yeah well, and well, he... well said well said we would love to before you go sarah if you don't mind we'd love to see a close-up of, of that photo of you with john williams is that okay i was hoping you'd say that <laughs> <laughs> just at the background there let's let's see that's Can lovely you see that yeah very oh cool. yes lovely really is Fantastic. it was it was from the um the interview in tanglewood um at his hotel Yes. And uh, and he just played my French horn. He had no choice in the matter, as you saw in the interview. It was like, John. But then he was quite interested. And he took the mouth and he said, I hope the world is watching. And of course they were. <laughs> yes, they were. Yeah, that was a uh, lovely a moment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty sure that was you. the first time he, he's done that on TV. I'm pretty sure. So that's uh, quite an accolade, Sarah. Sarah. It's been a, so, such a lovely, lovely conversation. Uh, thank you so much for, for being our guest on the Legacy of John Williams podcast. And uh, really, let's keep in touch. And really, I, we will definitely follow more of your, of your career, your, your absolutely great initiatives in, in music. So I very much hope that, that this will be the first of or maybe other future chats in, uh, coming in the future. Thanks to both of you. Hope to see you very soon. In person would be fun. Yes, that oh, yes, definitely would totally. be fun. Yes, thanks so much for your time to chat to us. Thank you, Sarah. See you guys somewhere in the world soon. Bye. Bye-bye.
The Legacy of John Williams.